0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Peer Pressure the podcast. I'm Kanisa Boy. Today we're going to be talking about migration and immigrants. Um, It's currently a hot topic. Um, So let's start with definitions, right? Firstly, migration is the movement of people from one place to another. So for example, I'm from the Eastern Cape and I have now moved to so, so i'm a migrant for all intents and purposes and then there's international migration which is moving from one country to another so people who leave their countries are called are said to be immigrating and people who moved into other countries are called are called immigrants the movement of people into a country itself is called immigration just so there's no confusion Thank right, you. Mm. Very
1: important. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, and so in South Africa, um, there's estimates flying, flying all over the shore. But according to statistics, South Africa in 2011, um, 6.2 million foreigners live in South Africa. And the organization says that there's an estimated 1.2 to 1.5 million undocumented um, immigrants in South Africa. In contrast to popular perception, immigration is not associated with reduction of employment rate of the native-born uh, population of South Africa, and some groups of immigrants are likely to increase employment opportunities for native-born. In part, um, high employment rate of immigrants um, raises the income per capita for South Africa. In addition, immigrants have a positive impact on the government's fiscal balance. Mostly because they tend to pay more taxes. Who knew? Policies focused on immigrants, um, immigrant integration and fighting discrimination would further enhance the economic contributions of immigrants in South Africa. This is not me saying it. It's a research paper that speaks to immigrants contribute considerably to the South African economy. If you're looking for it, you can go to research gates. Guys, like, on, from the onset, I was blown away by this because I was like, eh, but I thought the general concept was that we're taking, what we, immigrants are taking. So before we even mm-hmm. jump in, I can see people's eyes are wide <laughs> open yeah. here. We're joined by Mafuko Pumane, um, and Mafuko's work is understanding the experiences and stories of women immigrants and collaborating with relevant stakeholders to safeguard the dignity and rights to health of women immigrants in South Africa. Now, the goals for this work is to influence policies, structures, and attitudes. Um, it is to amplify the voices of women immigrants to dispel myths related to migrants in multiple spheres of South Africa, so your social and your economic, etc. And then the third goal is to establish linkages with stakeholders can support the cause for immigrant women in South Africa. Mafuku, a warm peer pressure welcome to the podcast. Welcome! You're <laughs> part of the bullies now. You're part of the bullies now. I wanted to find out, um, I'm going to pick on you first. Would you say there's a space to have honest conversations about the Im- impact of immigrants on everyday South Africans?
2: Gosh. Um... There's definitely
0: a space and there's
2: definitely a need. Listen, um, immigration, migration, we cannot get rid of it. Right. It is the way of the world globally from Cape to Cairo and otherwise, right? Yes. And so women, um, when you talk about a woman, you talk about a child as well, right? That's right. how I like to view women. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're a black woman and you're an immigrant, um, and uneducated, it means that you are at the bottom of the social ladder. Right. right? So already, you know, yeah. privileges are not there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, with a group of fellows, um, work on a, on a social change initiative where we wanted to understand the experiences of women who are immigrants. Right. Really try and understand their lived experiences. Why did they come to South Africa? from their different countries, and most come from the African continent. And so what we found out is that there are various reasons why they come. Let me backtrack a little bit and say the South African government has um, an immigration act, right? Mm -hmm. The South African Immigration Act, number 13 of 2002. Under this act, the act makes provision for various categories of uh, people that want to live in South Africa, mm-hmm. or want to eventually um, attain permanent residence, mm-hmm. right? So there's a whole categorization. So you you can have um, permanent residence if you're a holder of a work permit, right? Mm-hmm. For five years. If you're a spouse of a South African citizen, mm-hmm. right? If you're a child under 21 years of a South African citizen, mm-hmm. right? A person who has received an offer of employment, right? Um, a person who has exceptional skills or extraordinary skills, they call them critical skills, right. or you, you, you want to open a business, or you're seeking refugee or slash asylum status, mm-hmm. you're a Thai person, or you have a relative, either your mother or father lives in this country and therefore you can get a permit. So right. those are the different categorizations mm. that allow you to come to the country if you're not a tourist. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how people come and want to stay. Right? They want to come and stay because they, they're seeking a better life. Right? That's mm-hmm. normally the, the pull factor. Right. Yeah. As does someone from the Eastern Cape who wants to come to Johannesburg True. to seek a better life. Mm-hmm. So that dynamic. Someone from the Free State who wants to come to Joburg to
0: seek a better life. Mm-hmm. So, really, for me, that's, that's the dynamic of immigration and migration. Sure. Uh, So I'm going to pose this to you Aziza. Do you think that like when we talk about foreign nationals and we're talking about immigrants, we're talking about the same racial group?
3: I don't think so. Like I feel like people forget that The people that are owning, have ownership of our country are also the immigrants and foreigners, but those people are invisible to your regular South African. Mm -hmm. The regular South African sees competition from the black um, people, the black migrants, not from the ones that are invisible to you in your class Mm -hmm. or your area. So that's why this whole xenophobia thing is leaning, for me, towards Afrophobia. Mm. Because there's definite racism in that.
4: Mm.
0: There's clarity of racism in that. Mm. Right, go on.
4: I mean, I I, I, I couldn't agree more because, I mean, I worked in in Cape Town for a really long time, and there was a lot of immigrants from Belgium, from France, Mm -hmm. from other European Uh countries, and no one seems to have anything to say around those people coming to our country and taking up our jobs, because that does happen. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think I think the, 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 the energy is misplaced in a lot of the xenophobic attacks that we've seen. Right. We've, I mean, just listening to this research paper of how, Im- how immigration helps South Africa mm-hmm. and helps countries in many ways, I've always thought of it as being just that, right? right? People move for to have a better life Undoubtedly. However, I just am coming to this realization that this is how oppression works. You have the white male in, at the head of the social strata, mm-hmm. then the white female, and then the black male, and the and how that just moves down in oppression status, you know? Right. Eventually, coming down to the migrant woman, mm-hmm. um, uh, the black migrant woman. Mm. And that oppression in itself is just an example of how misplaced this anger is. Right. The more I try and think about why we've chosen to to label um, foreign nationals as the biggest issue that South Africa is currently facing mm-hmm. is just shocking to me. Can we not just talk about corruption instead? Like, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm not getting... I'm not getting... Where how this has happened, I understand like the 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 social or how it happened from uh, the oppressive nature of society, mm. but I'm struggling to see how we don't have that same level of anger towards the people who are ruling our country who are taking money from us on a daily basis
0: yeah i, I so for me, I think it's a, it's also a big language issue mm. I know that your French and Greek and, and people are called immigrants, mm. um, experts, you know, mm. and then you have people who are black and African who are called foreign nationals, mm. right? It's It's very intentional to say someone is a foreign national because you're literally saying they do not belong here. And I think for me, it's that thing where I was asking the question around why is it so complex to have this conversation? because to a very large extent, a lot of people think that people from other African countries do not belong here. Mm. When we think about when we think about the notion of people contributing, we don't see people from African countries as contributors to our economy. We see them as takers, mm. right? And so I wanted to get into the next level of this, right. Where another paper says the effect of immigration in South Africa includes increased stress on housing, political and social tensions, increased cost, overcrowding, transmission of disease, disease, and marginalization of immigrants in low status and low paid jobs. Now, guys, at some point, what was the president of the Red Party doing? Going to some restaurant hey. to do what? Wow. So I wanted. I, I think I'm gonna. I'll pull you in for a little bit because um, when we speak about people speak about um, townships being the hub of where immigrants. Are. I'm going to intentionally use the word immigrants and not necessarily foreign nationals because everybody who has immigrated <clears throat> is an immigrant. Um, everybody. So the experience of living in the township. What are the stories that people are telling in the township about immigrants? <laughs>
1: like, you know, like I I said earlier, this is a very difficult uh, Mm. topic for Mm, me.
0: It
1: is. Because living in a township, I also see a lot of pasa shops that are owned by uh, immigrants. Mm -hmm. But I also look back and say that pasa shop before this foreign national came in, it was closed. Mm. It wasn't working. Mm. So it means the South African who owned it, who started it, wasn't winning with the business. Right. And I know this these people are paying rent mm-hmm. to whoever the owner is. And they're doing well. We know how uh, a lot of people in the township buy from them because they can't afford to go to the mall in town. Mm-hmm. So this are and, and they buy your your, your, your simple food stuff, your bread and milk and your everyday uh, stuff, yeah, and we also know uh, how a lot of people in our townships are, embro- are unemployed. Mm. And now, when you look at when there is issues around, uh, we wake up one morning we are thinking there's something wrong with these uh, immigrants or foreign nationals, as we want to call them in, mm. our in in townships. The first target becomes them, of course. Mm. And a lot of times, <clears throat> for me, even when there are genuine issues around what is happening. Then criminals come in Um. and you sit in a meeting and people are saying, but these are the issues that we are facing with these people. The first thing that happens is they will ban, they will want to loot uh, and all that. Now it it turns out to be something else. So for me, uh, it's it's always difficult. But also, I'm also looking at people who use our for example health, health, health services mm, if you so cool go then. to a clinic in the township you are most likely to queue uh, have very long queues and people are saying within us you know in these queues there's immigrants mm. and we're competing for everything that we have in this uh, in our community with these people and that is very bad but people don't understand People don't even care about who's documented, who's not documented. Mm. It's, it, when it comes to competition around services and everything, people don't look at that. Mm-hmm. And something, I think, must be done. I don't know if it's education, or we should just go back and say, who's to blame? Mm. Right. If people can come into a country undocumented, who's to blame?
0: right i wanted to come to my focus and say what is the, what are the experiences of immigrant women when it comes to this narrative around the stress on the economy the stress on the health system and 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 also really because for the most part these women are generally low income earning um because your phd holders who are working for universities are sitting pretty in the burbs and they don't necessarily get of course, they'll probably still be labeled, but it's far less than what um, everyday women would experience. So what are the experiences and the stories that come up when it comes to immigrant women and the um, the narrative around distressed um, economic system, distressed um, um, social systems and health systems?
2: So just to touch on um, the point that Mpo made about you know, the queuing and, you know, the competition for, for, for access to health services. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm an immigrant myself, right? Mm-hmm. And I do obviously have privilege in the sense that I am I, not a low income earner, right? So my lived experience of being an immigrant and a lady from Zimbabwe who sells brooms and mops, of being an immigrant, we have a different lived experience. Mm-hmm. And so do we also have a lived, lift- A different lived experience when we access health services right Hmm. so um, the women that we work with or that we've been engaging with highlighted the need for um, access to reproductive health services right right that is a major if you're a woman you will need access to reproductive um, health services and so um, going to health facilities is challenging I myself as a foreigner would rather not go to a health facility. I have medical aid and everything else, but you do shy away from going to public health Great. Yeah. facilities precisely because you will be othered, mm. right? Yeah. So the women do share that having a having a different name already means you're going to be helped last in mm. the queue, right? Not speaking the local language means you you are already different. Therefore, you're othered. You're going to be helped last. Mm-hmm. The nurses do not talk to the women in a in a in a polite way, right? Mm-hmm. So the queuing, you see it, but then actually knowing that getting the actual service might even be challenging, right? You may not get whatever contraceptive that right. you presented there to get that day, mm. right? And they often you know, opt for other ways, right? You know now there's people selling contraceptives in- in, in as, Kona, Kona, Exactly, because yeah. as a foreigner, or as a foreign national, as an immigrant, the different categorizations, you really do want to just put your head down and move on Mm. because you don't belong. Mm -hmm. You wear it as a badge. Not belonging is something that you wear as a badge every way you present because you may not have the right documentation. That's Mm. a fact. And some of these women don't have the right documentation. Some are asylum seekers and having asylum seeker status already others your access or hinders your access to services. Mm. For example, they indicated that if you have asylum seeker status, you cannot access education. So, the social service that we're talking about, right. education, right, they can't access, their children can't access education because you're presenting with an asylum seeker status. Right. Their children are born here, they don't have birth certificates, so it means they don't have access to certain services. Right. right? And even within the education system, um, accessing education is a problem. Um, the school system, language, Right, Mm -hmm. um, scholar transport they indicated that they need to get separate um scholar transport for their children because their children get bullied. (laughs) So, so, like I said, when you talk about a woman, you're also talking about a child, you're talking Mm -hmm. about um, the head of the household in a sense because Mm -hmm. women make families you know, yeah, Mm -hmm. exist, right? right? They're the providers, as much as contrary to. To, you what know, is believed exactly mm-hmm. right <laughs> because they need to provide that basic food basket right? right and so they do various jobs like i said um selling brooms selling vegetables their hairdressers so these are services that are needed by everyone mm. by locals mm-hmm. right and when they offer these services they don't necessarily say i'm selling to this person i'm not selling to that person they are fulfilling a need mm. right that is there within mm. communities. Mm. Um, so really, that's that that's the situation. I mean, it, it, I find it quite contentious, right? Like it's been said, um, <coughs> being a woman is already almost like a curse, right? And then you're foreign and then you're black, right? Mm-hmm. And when we do ask them why they came, most say, I came because my husband came. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the need for families to be together. Right. Right. Also, I came because my husband said it's better here, mm. right? So some are running away from the war. Rwanda, Democratic Republic of Congo, right? Some came because, you know, the livelihoods were compromised in their different countries. So there's various different reasons why they came. And that's that's really the situation. So. The aspect of jobs being taken, I always also
0: find it... I I wanted to touch on that and also speak about how there's also accusations of immigrants driving, particularly African um, low-income earning, driving the price of labor down. Mm -hmm. So I I know the standard rate for mowing the lawn is 220 Rand. And then you've got someone who's an immigrant, documented... Possibly undocumented yeah. because that's where um a lot of taking advantage happens. We'll take a hundred rand for it. So now we're at a tug of war where the war, the um, a needs to be mowed, and I need bread and you need bread. You're willing to take a hundred rands. I know the standard price is two hundred and twenty. And my experience is that you will take that job and you will leave me with nothing. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. And I think it really is important for, for us to actually have those conversations, even with the hairdressing, right? I mean, I know like South African girls will braid that hair for like 700, 800 bucks, and you've got a lady from Zim who will be like, girl, give me three 350 and be good. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's like, no, you can <laughs> What are you, huh? Yeah. The amount of labor price is 700 rand. If that means people are coming to you, you need the and you know that you're not trying to take anything from me, you just know that you need the money. But at, at, a, at a level where we're both kind of scrappling with stuff and struggling for food for all intents and purposes, I'm already seeing you, Guti, the enemy of progress here is you. And I think it's critical for us to have those re- because I think systemically that's how the system preys on people to say, Yambo, this one's taking 350, yeah. Gandhi, the price is 700 rands. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pull Ivana in on, in terms of is it a real life story do you think it's a real life story that people who are not south african are are pulling the health system to its knees in terms of the amount of services that that that, that they need and the numbers I and mean, we talk about 1.2 to 1.5 undocumented immigrants in south africa these people do need the health service and they do go so do you how do we What's the, what do you see? What are you thinking when we think about the health system already has always been going through the most tell the truth.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, but like, do you see the impact? Do you see a real lived experience of impact, in, outside of being
4: othered on the health system? So I think this is a tif- difficult one for me particularly mm-hmm. because I I view it as a human rights issue. Right. If you need healthcare, you need healthcare. I don't care where you're from. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are. I don't right. care what gender you are i don't care what race you are mm-hmm. if you need healthcare, and that's the bottom line
0: mm.
4: where i see the problem is when government starts restricting those social um, protections mm-hmm. not only for the people in the country but those who are not a part of undocumented documented migrants foreign nationals whatever you choose to call it i just think Ultimately, the 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 number one issue here is that government is restricting its access of social services in general, and that is what's causing breaking point. Right. And now we are looking for people to blame, mm-hmm. mm. and so so the root cause. And we often don't talk about the root causes of these, of uh, of these small. Um, well, you can't actually call it small anymore because xenophobia mm. is so large and so mm. entrenched in our in our minds at this point. But we often look for people to blame who who we can wrangle, Mm. and where we can use Mm. our oppressive natures on, Mm. and that we can, and we're like, okay, you guys don't have any rights, the same rights that we have, so we can actually just blame you. Mm. In the meantime, what we should be focusing on is, why is government reducing its spending on public services? Why is this happening? That is what we need to be mm. protesting. That is where we need to be running around in the streets, wrangling politicians to try and understand <laughs> why this is happening. I don't, like, I don't understand. Like, right, so you're
0: saying it's, no.
4: No. Where you
0: see it, it's yes. already
4: dust. Yes. The blowing yes. started at the top. And I, I mean, what, what are we going to do? Are we going to chase people outside of the country and still sit with the same problem? Uh, it's, it's
0: starting to look like it You know
4: <laughs> Aziza, talk to me I mean, speaking of
3: government, that's actually an interesting one We have systems failures Yes But I mean, why are we blaming the exploited and not the exploiter? Right. Yes. I mean, that whole narrative needs to switch. Yes, this is um, and them. This, exactly. I mean, already in South Africa with our provincial healthcare facilities, if you're from Limpopo and you come to Gauteng's health facility, Limpopo Department of Health must pay for that heart operation of mm. yours, by the way. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how it works with different countries, but mm. with different provinces, that's how it works. Oh, oh, wow. I didn't because know they would say, oh, Limpopo Department of Health, owes oh, Gauteng Department of Health, million, million, this. And I'm like, for what? for the people from there. So already mm-hmm. that migrant situation is already happening within provinces. Right. Um, yeah, because oh. of the budget allocations for Gauteng are for this population, right. mm-hmm. for this population, and then already there's that issue. But like Ivana said, it's a human rights issue, and your right to health is important. I mean mm-hmm. So already the health system, I think, is already on its knees without that element of helping um, foreign foreigners. Social speak, immigrants—is that the word we're using? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm
0: choosing immigrants because I feel like foreigners uh, is intentionally politically towards mm. black people, mm-hmm. right?
3: Mm-hmm. And so
0: I, I so I'm glad we're moving in this direction because what I wanted to bring to the fore is a movement called Operation Tutu. Um,
4: <laughs> so, uh, you.
0: your discomfort is welcome here. Uh, I just realized (laughs) it's
3: definitely there because when you spoke about the article, I realized but the facts are in contradiction with the opinions and the feelings. Fully. And that operation is working on people's opinions and And feelings feelings. and driving that narrative as facts.
0: Fully. So so I really wanted to touch on that. So Operation Tedula is is argues that the presence of immigrants undocumented or documented. Is the significant cause of the country's deterioration. We already know who they're talking about. We already know who they're talking about. And I think this this is where the uncomfortable conversations lie, right? You know like South African men will be like, yeah, no, they're taking our women, right? Well, How come nobody's taking the foreign women? No, I need to know. I need someone to lend me a hand here. <laughs> because you know, like there's outside of Build, the narrative around buildings i mean if buildings are not maintained and there's no proper um structures to maintain buildings, they will debilitate and it's not just in areas where there's there's immigrants there's other areas that are uncapped and it does work like that i mean if you guys like a how example is jeppie's town when um white folk decided to move from there because a lot more black people again they left and the building started falling apart they were not necessarily um immigrants at the time but like i need to get to this is like this is my sweet spot there's there's always this thing on south african men talk about other nationals who are black and from from other african countries I'm talking about no they take our women yes this, they don't just take jobs they take our women. Mm. How come nobody's that uh, before go answer me? No, how come nobody's don't taking, foreign women? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, taking foreign I, I, women? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. How <laughs> come nobody's taking from? Because you are literally saying these women are head of households. They have children. Like the narrative really is not any different from South African women. If we're honest, because mm. so we are a woman-headed country, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so for me, it's always interesting to think about, well, they are here by themselves for the most part, how come nobody's taking them, right? And then secondary to that, which is really uh, the conversation we're, we're having around the narrative, that's the one who is currently loved f- for whatever reason. What, what conversations are we not having? So you've already pointed the fact that we're not talking about the importance of immigrants, right, so the scarce skills you were talking about. Um, and also the capacity to also create jobs but what other conversations are we not having rafogo that could help reintegrate or integrate immigrants into communities because right now what we see um is what mpo is saying this puzzle shop was not working it was not functioning anymore rolls up someone rents the space um, and then starts to capitalize on that space, right? And then suddenly, oh, um, we don't have jobs, but this guy has a shop, so mm. we're going to loot the shop. So what is the what are the conversations that we're not having in communities to help with the integration of immigrants, particularly in our townships?
2: I think one of the major conversations that we're not having, Aziza may have touched on it a little bit, is holding a government accountable, right? Mm. Uh, that is a major conversation that we're not having. We are not holding government accountable in the structural aspects and in the in the policies, right? Economic policies, social policies. Mm. And therefore that is why an organization or a movement like Operation Dudula speaks to immediate concerns of the people, right? Oh, okay. And it speaks to the emotion, it speaks to highlighting the inequity, Mm -hmm. the lack of jobs, the lack of access to education, the lack of you name them, right? Mm -hmm. So this movement is therefore then giving people hope in Mm -hmm. a sense, right? Right. Where government has failed the people. Mm -hmm. Right. So really that's the conversation that we're not having. That government is not accountable. We're not seeing what they're doing. I mean look at what's happening in various townships around the country. The lack of services, water sanitation, you name it, Mm -hmm. right? And so for me, a movement like this is important, and yet the processes and approaches may be contentious, like we've kind of already discussed. But this is now an opportunity for government to then rise to the occasion to say, these are the things that we're doing, Mm. right? So for example, there is a policy um, called the National Action Plan to Combat Racism, Racial Discrimination, Xenophobia, and Related Intolerance this action plan is a government plan it came out of the rise of xenophobic attacks right right right? it was a world kind of um, global initiative and south africa then took it on and um kind of put together this this action plan in order to actually take some form of accountability and it addresses racial issues across the board including xenophobia and so what how far is the implementation of this policy or this plan, you would ask, mm. right? Mm. W- who is the custodian of this plan so that we can hold them accountable? So accountability for me is a huge conversation that we need to be having mm. in, in, in addressing some of these things. Just to also say, I think the the aspect of oppressing the person who's already, for me it sits really heavy right because mm. it really is black on black violence it is. right mm. it really speaks to self-hate mm. it really speaks to the colonial master having won mm. right we've talked about how immigrants white immigrants are called expats mm. and they then uh, qualify for permanent residency because they're going to open businesses because they mm. have the capital mm. right and so the person coming from Somalia can only do a sponsor shop because that's, that's, that, that, that's their muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, the financial muscle is there and so that's what they contribute to the country, right? right? There's a retirement categorization as well. Who's going to retire into the country? Oh. Someone from Switzerland, right? right. Sure. What about someone from King? Are they then also allowed to come and retire here? Mm-hmm. So, so the colonial fiber of the issue is also something that we need to talk about.
4: Uh, uh, just on that quickly, I, I'm realizing so much more that the legacy of apartheid and the the ingrained how apartheid has ingrained in us that there needs to be an us and them, mm-hmm. and especially in South Africa, looking at like the xenophobic attacks, um, and I'm wondering to myself like we often forget that South Africa could be in a, a catastrophe at any moment. The lights could go out at any moment. Just a little, this, this, uh, um... Reality check. Yeah, just a little reality check. The, the, the lights could go out at any moment. Things could get really bad in South Africa. And where exactly do we plan on running to, seeing that we chased half of, you know, like, where are we Ooh. going? Where are we gonna go? Because I'm telling you now, Botswana's gonna be, like, late for you guys. <laughs> Zimbabwe's gonna be like, no, I'm sorry, we don't no, do no, you, no. people. where
2: did you run to? You
4: That's know, so yeah, where did our, we run to exactly. during apartheid? it's an
0: interesting one because i think i even then even then i think even then because structurally even though it was a, a oppressive regime we south africans still thought they fed better than african other african countries and they felt like they could move to other countries and kind of and also because the one who is causing war in the yeah, world yeah, right now, now held like, hmm. us also, and that country held us also. Mm. And so I think we've also, as as an, as an identity, we have ingrained in us a, a, a sort of a snobbery around mm. where we can and cannot go. Mm. Mm. And I think in this instance, the languaging around Afrophobia, the languaging around racializing and also targeting people who don't look like me. Because also in the xenophobic attacks, people are from the northern parts of South Africa. Mm -hmm. We're getting it because they didn't look South African. Mm -hmm. Right? There's a look to being South African. So there's people like the Ahmed Ahmed Katada Foundation who have taken on the responsibility of doing the work. But when they do the work, sorry, Ahmed Katada Foundation, but we are here now. When, you do the, when they do the work, it's very like high level, very like mm, 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 English, very nice and then you've got the operation Doodula who goes to the township and says what people want to hear and the framing mm-hmm. needs to be everyday language it cannot be removed from what people know and understand so if you've got a study that says that people who come from other countries add value to this country, I need to know and you need to show me where it's adding value, just like the Dudula people are showing where it's taking away from you. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, I really want to come to, because I'm, Mpo is telling me time. <clears throat> um, I, so our, uh, Dr. Aram um last week was speaking about how uh, officials from Gauteng, Limpopo, Eastern Cape have been arrested. A law enforcement agency took down a syndicate during operation in Krugersdorp affairs. Um, and so I want, I wanted us to touch quickly on the criminal element, because I think when we talk it's about, a it's a new podcast, my, my, my immigrants, <laughs> we can't just talk about the criminal element because I think when people, it's like most things that are stigmatized, when people think about that thing, they think about the, cri- the actual criminal oh. element oh. Aziza
3: a lot of headlines are very blamey and the moment it's um you know it's an immigrant it, they will say mm. we caught these specific demographic people doing xyz um, but then we also forget with the criminals people from the uk come here the guy who murdered his wife he came yes. here to come and murder his wife mm.
0: why you,
3: why know? you ask? exactly is mm. it because our justice system allows it? Because then, who are you blaming on the criminality? Because mm. crime is everywhere, right? Mm. But where do you get away with it, and where don't you?
0: And also, <laughs> who is a criminal? Because if you come from the UK, surely you, you can't cannot. be a criminal. No. And so, the, the criminality here was around um, accessing passports. And so, I wanted Mafoku to just give us like a quick one on how hard is it to, to, to comply with documentation? Gosh, it's, it's, it's a nightmare, mm. okay, I will not lie,
2: it is a nightmare, um, even just to visit this country from an African country, okay, is mm-hmm. a nightmare. Um, it, it just uh, crossing the border from Lesotho to, to South Africa, we get 30 days, right, Ooh, wow. as a tourist. But I can tell you that someone from elsewhere gets, a, gets way more, three months, or mm. four, or six right? Mm. We are right in the middle of, just as simple as that, very close to home.
0: Inside home. Inside. Mm. Inside home.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's just start there. Tourism. Okay. Mm. And we know how much tourism contributes to to this country. Right. So so just basic. Okay. Then there is um, study,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: right? You need a study permit. Right. Right. So obviously you need admission into a school first and obviously, right? So study permit. Okay, then you want to work, right? Gosh. You have this critical skill. You're a doctor, you're a medical <laughs> scientist, right? right? You want to give back to the country. <laughs> um, you need a work permit. And it has to have a different categorization. It's either general, it's either critical skills, it's either, it, the, the, the categories are, are, you know, I can't even keep track. So, so that's people with privilege. right? That's people who are not running away from any, anything, mm. right? And then you come to you know, the people that want to come and work but don't have a formal education. Mm. So already that means they're excluded from accessing the permits that are legal, right? right? Because you need so many things to justify your presence, <clears throat> right? Mm. So then that's why people opt to come without a passport, get here, get a passport, mm. that you know, classifies you as a as, as South African. And just to go back to the criminality aspect of it is who is giving these passports? Mm. Home Affairs officials, right? right? And often services at Home Affairs are so cumbersome and Mm. so unfriendly to foreign nationals where you do want to comply. Mm. You're queuing, come back tomorrow, come back tomorrow, come back, you do want to comply. Mm. But the structures are not supporting you to comply, right? South Africa, the criminality aspect is huge. This country is historically from a violent background. Mm. And so this feeds into the criminal aspect, right? Right. And so violence is something that is so normalized here, Mm. right? And so we need to unpack that and, and kind of then say, okay, how much are foreign nationals contributing to the criminal aspects that are so, you know, foregrounded and highlighted. Mm. We're not denying that these, you know, um, you know, acts aren't happening and foreign nationals, I don't, I would not say are necessarily in the forefront, but the reporting, who owns the media, the sensationalization Mm. thereof feeds into the othering, feeds into, um, you know, contributing to to xenophobia, Mm. right? Because if you see, my God, you know, Nigerians, Mm. again, another Mm. drug syndicate, what does that it feeds into the narrative. So there's a perpetual cycle of, you know, othering that continues by the media and everything else. But just face is so unfriendly to people that do want to comply. So let's start there. How do we then support that so that you know, people
4: get better. So, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if I'm wrong here around this. I actually want to ask Mofuku, because my understanding is that there are only three offices that um, that people who, who when you de- decide to migrate, that you have to go to three d- different offices in the entire country. Mm-hmm. So, if that is the... that's Cape Town that is is, currently not functioning. C- Cape Town is currently not functioning. So, Pretoria is the only one that you can... Durban. So, if you... And Durban. Mm-hmm. So, if you are, are coming from Limpopo, you have to travel to... to Pretoria or if you're from the northwest you have to travel to Pretoria or if you're from Cape Town You have to travel to KZN just to go and get your documentation in order Which I think in that in itself is allowing the criminality to Mm -hmm. to take place because because if we had a government uh, that actually cared mm-hmm. about this issue and ensured that people were, uh, wanted to be documented Or because I'm sure people want to be documented. Sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. like people want to come here easier, easier yeah. you know, yeah. but because it's almost impossible and the amount of money that has to be spent just to get to the offices and then to be get there and be told that you have to come back tomorrow and you're like, dude, I only have enough money exactly. to come mm-hmm. here today yeah. and now you're telling me I have to come back tomorrow. So if these services were actually functioning, we wouldn't see the criminality aspect. I, I don't Matt's lady it wouldn't have had to go through all of this hawks. What, 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 what? He must sort out his own department. Oh, <laughs> Imagine! Rangers. Then he wants to come here on TV. Oh, <laughs> this this, th- his, the
0: grand wow. are involved in all of that. So, as we we're wrapping it up, um, now, just to add another layer, two last Leslie and them are now uh, doing a new employment quota. Oh. As well as banning for uh, foreign nationals from starting small business in some sectors. Oh. And what are the We're implications of that? The Europeans. And you must say, ne? They're saying starting small businesses. So that's, it's a very that's targeted. That's targeted that's um,
1: that's so,
0: so so mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you that question, Mafoko, and and as you are responding to that, to also just give us your final thinking, final thoughts around around this topic. What are the implications of these kind of? I'm going to say sanctions because I can't think of <laughs> any other word for mm-hmm. these kind of sanctions on these women who are selling brooms, mm. who are doing nails, who are, you know, hairdressers. What are the implications of that?
2: I needless to say, the implications are huge, Kanisa, because who who is going to then provide these services? Mm. Forget who's providing the service for a second. Mm. Who's going to be providing these services? Right. Because there's obviously a need, right? right? Mm. And so that, that's really major, and I think for me, it goes back to the human rights issue, mm. right? So a person who comes here to start a business is a friend of the people. Mm. They're providing a much needed serv- service, right? Mm. If you're a worker, why can't other workers who are like-minded um, you know, join you? One of the things that we would we want to do with our project is to introduce a skills sharing initiative. Right. Because I think that's that's a more progressive way of, of looking at social cohesion. Right. How do we embrace foreign national immigrants the like? Mm. Because clearly they have an entrepreneurial skill that mm. we may not have right. as locals. Mm. So why can't we then see the need to have collaborative skills sharing um, projects mm-hmm. that then say, "Show me how you do it in mm-hmm. my country. you come here and you open a shop mm-hmm. that means there's something that you have that I don't have mm-hmm. to, right so, so so that's a positive way of, of looking at the whole um, the whole dilemma really yeah right so the movement of the movement that's supporting um you know operation to mm-hmm. they're obviously unemployed right. How is it that there is no collaboration with people that are employed to say stop going around and, you know, why don't we have progressive dialogues Mm. within the communities that um, the movement lives, there are foreign nationals. Why can't there be dialogues around how do we live in a a cohesive way, in Mm -hmm. a harmonious way? Mm -hmm. You know, we we are perpetuating division, Right. right? And it is what has um, been a monster in our history. Mm. Because even within these townships, it'll be the Zimbabwean section, you know, the Somalian mm. section. Yeah. We have immersed colonial, um, the colonial kind of machinery to the core.
1: Yeah. Right? Mm. And
2: we're not seeing how it's a missed opportunity. Mm. The presence of immigrants and migrants in this country, it's a missed opportunity to say, how can we improve ourselves? We're clearly missing something as locals. Let us then be friendly mm. and say, hey, neighbor, right? Mm. Where do you get these booms from? Because I promise you those booms are from Chinatown, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Why can't you get them from Chinatown? Let's collaborate. Let's have a cooperative. Mm. Do you get me? Yeah. Yes, let's have a skill sharing initiative where you show me which household you're going to. Mm. And so that's another aspect, Kanisa, because when you come here from your country, you are by any means necessary trying to make a better life for yourself. Right. And so that speaks to the lowering of um, services, the cost of services. Mm-hmm. So you will take any hand out, right? Mm-hmm. That is kind of directed your way, right? But also there is that dynamic of being industrious, mm-hmm. right? Because you come from struggle, mm-hmm. you will work, you will wash the dishes, you will work long hours, you will do, and unfortunately, let's be honest, as South Africans were also very entitled Right, looking to the government for answers, mm. but just a simple let's start a let's let's a vegetable garden, right? There's so many simple things that we can. But it's a mental slavery issue, I would say, that we need to start kind of um, moving away from. Mm. So really, in closing, I think for me, I am saying let's be positive about the presence of foreigners in our country. Mm-hmm. Let us try and hone in the skills that they have. Mm. you know, and in order to improve our livelihoods, in order to improve our lives. I mean, going to academia, your professors, your researchers are mostly Nigerians. Mm. There's something that we're missing there. What is it about this type of person that is able to achieve to that level? Mm. Why can't we just feed off that energy and, and see it as a collaborator? We're all on the continent, we're all Africans. If we start
0: being more collaborative, I think we would go a long way. So, my focus says, let's get unstuck. We mm-hmm. seem stuck mm-hmm. at a corner. Yeah. We need to kind of figure mm-hmm. out how to get unstuck. Aziza? Yeah.
3: No, no. I was just going to say, I agree. Like, there must be some sort of collaborative network about it. And I think holding the government accountable should also be another group effort mm. um, together.
0: Mm. Holding the government accountable. Mm. That is a very big aluta continua, I'm word.
1: also on that one, Will the government accountable.
0: Right. Mm. Yeah.
1: For me, I, I think we are, we, are, we are witnessing what we are witnessing now mm-hmm. with this sporadic, you know, uh, ec- exchange mm. or activities happening, because the government is not doing what they're supposed to be
0: doing. Mm. Or maybe they are doing exactly what they want to be doing.
1: Okay. So chances are that, yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> and that, that alternative is even course, scarier. Yeah. It's, mm. it's, uh, Ivana. Yeah.
4: <sighs> I just see this getting a lot worse because um, now with the war in Ukraine and with the global economies tanking and just looking at how this is all going to affect us down the road, I see more and more tension happening in South Africa. And it's a call for us to really just dig our heels in, hold government accountable, ensure that we educate ourselves as best as possible around what is causing this um and how we can hold government accountable mm. and 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 ourselves as well oh, and ourselves else. and oh, ourselves yeah. hold ourselves accountable and check check your privilege man <laughs> check
0: your privilege right so in closing we're doing the best that we can to get unstuck i think there's very specific stories that we tell ourselves and the discomforts that we hold about different we need to be something that we're able to actually have a conversation about because if we don't we're never going to find each other and cohesion really does step with us having those conversations mm. if really that grouping actually had a sit down with a different immigrants, there would be a combustion of a conversation that could take us in a completely different direction and I really see that um, and I really want to thank you Mafoko for joining us for this conversation You've given us plenty of context. And everybody, thank you so much for holding some of the discomfort. And just to say to the government, <laughs> we see you. Um, um, and we are going to keep having these conversations because accountability is critical for ourselves and for everyone else. This has been the Peer Pressure Podcast. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank,
0: thank you. Me. Thank you.